Well, this morning we are finishing our series in John, Light to Dark. Um, I, we're coming to a conclusion, and I, and I know it's been a little bit of a whirlwind going through it. Oh, yes, I am sorry. I will go through this first. Um, we are going to, um, to finish up this series, though. Um, if you will, if you're, if you're reading along, go to chapter 21 in the book of John, um, and we will be going through there a little bit. Um, I, I almost forgot. This is why I put this up here, and I'm glad Phil's up front here because I would forget. This is a thank you card, and we get thank you cards, and I, I mean, Denise can attest to this. We get thank you cards from ministries that we, we um, help in town. They send us ones every month. Um, there are a lot of thank you cards, <laughs> and, and it, we love it, but it's, it's a lot. But this is a really special, this is a really special thank you card. This is from a group of people. Um, Sharon Rogers is one of them um, that got the card. Um, that are very thankful for the laundry love. They're thankful for the fact that we do laundry love. And um, they, they put this card together. They passed it around and got everybody to sign it to thank Foothills Church for this ministry. And they didn't have to. We'd still do it. We love doing it. We love that. Uh, we love our neighbors here. The Empire Hotel here and some other people that are out on the street. We love them, so that's why we're doing it. But to get this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it around. You guys can kind of take a look, and I don't care if it distracts you from my message, but um, Phil will just kind of pass it back, and you know, if you don't get to see it by the end, then grab it from somebody. Um, but that's a thank you to all of you. It's something that we do as a ministry that, you know, it's a ministry that will always be in the red. And I just like to liken that to, you know what, Jesus' blood is red, and, you know, red lines in our, in our books is okay, because it's covered. Yes. It, it never fails that every time that we do this, we'll get at least two or three people that say, thank you so much for this, because it helps pull them through and get them help them get by because they just don't have the money and and it just they're blessed by it and so it's awesome I have I have kind of heard off and on and I'm just throwing this out um, you know where does all that money that we put in the jar go it goes to paying for the laundry um, in the laundromat so I just just to clarify that um, it's a laundromat laundromats are not cheap how much is it a load? Yeah, dollar fifty to wash, dollar seventy-five to dry, right? And the big washer is three dollars. Now, here on top of that is there. There's not a hot water heater down there, so it's just cold water washing. Um, and every cent that we have that goes in there is going down there. It's. Yep. And hanging out. Um, and I, I went down this last week for a brief little stint. I know Sid gave me a hard time. Well. <laughs> they were all gone. Right? I got to keep an eye on you. 
Um, yeah, mercy. There she is. I, I love this ministry, though, because it, it really is a great connection to where we are. A church should always be rooted in the community that it's in. You know that? Bloom where you're planted. We shouldn't be blooming somewhere else unless we're blooming where we're planted. Um, missions always starts home. Missions always starts here. And I, I think it's great that we, are, we, we live on mission. Because it reminds us that we are on mission. And on a mission. And that mission is to people. It's not just to words or, or things on a wall. It, it is to people. That's what the church is. The building is, is great and we're very, very blessed to have it. But the building is not the church. It's the people. So um, I really appreciate that and please take a look at that. Um, as I said, we're, we're in chapter 21. Um, and this, this series of light to dark, I, I, I wanted to kind of have a, a it, the, the title this morning is Last Conversations, um, and I, I just wanted to, to have a conversation. Uh, so this is a preaching, but a conversation usually kind of goes two ways, and it, it, it's something where um, we're able to kind of talk through, what, what do we get out of this? What do we learn? Is there, is there anybody that had, had something that stuck out to them in this series? Anybody? I heard you. Did you have something, Millie? There's been a lot of things that have really stood out to me. And I, it's hard to just put a, you know, I remember this and I remember that and I remember that. But yes. <laughs> Anybody have something that did stick out, though? Anything specific? I'm putting you on the spot. Look at that. Anybody? I just underlined light the dark. It just occurred to me that, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, and he lives in us. And so his light shines out through us to the world. Let's light the Okay. When you said bloom where you are planted, it made me think of my cousin. Do you want to say any more than that? Okay. She likes blooming where you're planted. Anybody? Oh. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And daughters, yeah. Anybody else? Wow, you guys are really, really quiet. Love one another as I've loved you. For a, as, as good as we are at fellowship, it's a very silent church all of a sudden. Like microphone. It's not like we're on TV or anything, you know. It's just us. It's just family. I, I, 
you know, I, it, it's something where I've been walking through this, and I, I, I've been learning a lot. Um, I've heard pastors say that whole, like, you know, like, the pointing, like, when you're pointing at somebody and you're, you're judging them, you got, like, one finger pointing at them and three fingers pointing at you. This works for preaching, too. You're, you're kind of sharing something, but there's a whole lot more that, that the pastor ends up walking through and, and, and being built up in. And I, and I really feel that, that there's some, some dark corners in, in my life that have been lit up, so to speak. Um, yeah, as you know, I, I, I deal through and walk through anxiety and depression. And I am doing really, really well. Still walking through that, so you guys know it. It, it is something that's an everyday kind of thing. Um, it's going to be a process. I do have a professional friend, just so you know. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that too. I, I, I have a friend named Tim that, that I can sit with and, and share some of these things. And it's, you know, it's amazing how how God has been taking different things in my life and being a part of the same puzzle um, of of helping me through that. I have Jesus, obviously, that I can walk through with. Um, I have a professional friend. I, I have all of you. Um, but I also have, I, I've been working out a lot lately, and it's giving me an out outlet. Um, but all of this has been in the process of going to the book of John. And I, I really feel like that has also been a component to my my spiritual and overall well-being. You ever felt that when you when you go through the word that it kind of fits along with what is going on in your life? That it feels like you're you're having this support from the word lifting up what you're doing and lifting up who you are? You keep coming back to that. Who we are, right? We are who he says we are. We're children of the living God. To be called a child of God, isn't that amazing? Often when we enter into studies like this, we can get into that been there, done that kind of mindset. Got the t-shirt. Wrote home to the family. You know what I'm saying? Like It just becomes kind of by rote. But I find that God reveals truth when we are receptive, no matter how many times we've read through that area of word. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if we're, we go into it with anticipation, oh, he's got something. You got something? The word is alive. Yes, yes. And if we, and it, even in this, in this idea of, of anticipating something new or something fresh that the Spirit will, will speak to us going through the Word. If we anticipate that living Word, that living Word will respond, yes? It is a conversation. Yeah.
and even the expectation that God's going to do that. Anticipation. How many, how many remember either you as a kid or your kids or some kid somewhere anticipating their birthday or anticipating Christmas? I was the kid that would make himself sick three weeks before Christmas because I was so excited about Christmas. Yeah, anybody see the movie Elf? That, I, I, I was a lot. Santa! Will Ferrell, he's such a nut. Um, but I, I, I did love Christmas. I love the music. I love the, the hymns that we would sing. That, that, you know, somebody really needed to do some, some Easter hymns and then have, like, Bing Crosby sing a whole bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would like, Easter would be like, ah! We have other reasons. We have other reasons, yes, but. Oh, yeah. In my spare time, we'll put together a, an Easter uh, musical. How about that? So the title this morning, I, I, a lot of times the titles have, have something to do with what we're talking through, but this one really, really does a final conversation. Now, in chapter 21, we see this is a, kind of a, a last um, appearance of Jesus. Um, not maybe the last one, but it, it's, it's, it's probably one of the more important final um, appearances, at least to Peter. Can we say that? Because um, he does have the ascension. That's pretty important. Um, but I think for, for Peter, this was the final conversation that he had with Jesus that impacted his life dramatically. And I think this really, um, it, it is a beautiful conversation to have right at the end of this whole book that kind of sums up a lot. It, it, it brings everything to a nice ending. That's why I was ending, beginning, beginning of the end, end of the beginning. Really, with the end of the beginning, I think. Is it just me, or does it seem strange that the disciples were keep forgetting who Jesus was, what he sounds like? If you lived with a bunch of dudes on the road, sweaty, stinky, you'd get to know them pretty well. You get to know their voices. I mean, it, it talks about it in a number of places how, how um, the sheep will, will recognize the shepherd's voice. But I still think that this is part of that um, knuckleheads, you know. These guys are knuckleheads. But they're out fishing. So how many guys going out fishing, somebody calls at you, you just, you're kind of paying attention to the fishing part, right? You're not really paying attention to somebody hollering at you. And I think these guys were just not quite paying attention until a little bit into this. I think that once they knew that Jesus was back, I mean, for me, you see Jesus and you see his side and you see the holes in his hands and, and, and you know that he has risen from the dead. Would you be looking everywhere for Jesus? Like, I, I would be walking down the road, who oh, is that? Oh, oh no, that's Bob. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Every time you hear a voice that would be similar even, you'd just be like, that's, oh, okay. Is it just me? Just, just that thought that, 
that he could possibly, because he, he hadn't done the ascension. He didn't say, I will return someday. He, he was still around, right? I would be looking for him all over. Anybody that, was, that halfway sounded like him or even remotely looked like him would, would have set me off. I would have been so excited. It wouldn't have been like Santa, Jesus, right? You guys don't do that. I guess that's just me. Huh? Well... I still would have just like lost it though, I think. I think they were too much in, in their own, you get in your own sorrow, you get in your own head, you get in your own thought process and sometimes you can, you can cut off the rest of the world. So I, I can see that it would happen. I'm being a little funny, a little tongue in cheek. I can see that you can, you can disconnect from that. Yeah. Okay. All right, you guys can go now. I just, that, is, that, that, is, that is really profound. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They have risen. Wow. Where was I? <laughs> uh, recognizing it. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, no, that's, that's really good, though. That's just thinking about people that have gone before and... And, you know, how many of you know that, that memorials and, and things like that are not really for the people that have passed on, they're for us? And how hard it is for us to let go, how hard it is for us to, um, to move on. A lot, a lot of times that's what, what we're walking through is we're walking through that process for us. And, man, that's, that's, that's good. Profound. John 21, 4 through 7. Um, Just as day was breaking, so the morning's coming up, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? I love that he calls them children. I I think they would have got it there, but um, they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were able to, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, here we go again, um, therefore said to Peter, "It is the Lord." So John figured it out first. Tells Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the exuberance of Peter once again. 
Um, there are no points to write in here. I wanted to give you the opportunity to be able to write other things, but um, the points are just kind of the thoughts of where, where we were at in this. Um, revealed and breakfast. They, John again, um, John again, um, with his, his talking in third person, it kind of gets me. He, he would constantly talk in third person, right? Doing this whole like, the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, if he had a name plaque and a desk, it would, have, it would not have John on the desk. It would have the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, and I think Peter would just be, you know, um, foot and mouth disease um, co-chair. I'd be the other co-chair because he just really loved the taste of his own sandal. Um, here... Here he is recognizing Jesus before Peter, but Peter does not uh, does tries to outdo him again, but not really tries to. He just it's his personality. He just gets excited and he he realizes that he's stripped for working and fishing, so he grabs his outer garment at least. But that probably could have almost drowned him as he's swimming back. Um, and, but I love that enthusiasm. I love that excitement in him. It's it's that anticipation suddenly kicked in, right? He has this anticipation that to get to the shore, even though the boat probably got there about the same time he got there, right? And the rest of the guys are like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> and just take off running. Jump in before you, you really look. Um, I think he was thinking maybe he, he, could, he could run on the water to get to him. And who knows, he might have gone a little bit and, and sunk, but... Um, he just wanted to get there so badly. What was that? Oh, I thought I, I thought I heard something. <laughs> he didn't even get to that. He was so enthusiastic, he just jumped. And I, th- I get this feeling that that he gets to the shore about the same time as the boat, and and and. And nobody else seems to follow him in this exuberance. Okay, this is the thing that, that is, um, it shows how excited he was. He jumps in. Everybody else is like, so we got to pull all the fish in. We got to pull the boat in. Thanks, Peter. Um, probably, his, probably his old boat, too. You know, he probably left him with, with his boat. I, I don't know. I just get, this is all the stuff that goes through my head when going through these. Yeah, that too. Because of the conversation that's coming up. I think he was overwhelmed with love, though. Yeah. He's showing that love, but later he kind of pulls back because then he's in that conversation with him. Out of the two of John and, and Peter, I think even though they had this, this little bit of a rivalry, I think they were a great pair. Because John was really observant. There were things that he paid attention to. He, he's the younger one. You would think that he would be the one that would be jumping in. And, but Peter is acting in that way. And Peter may not be the most observant and doesn't really notice things as quickly as John does. Um, but what he lacks in observation, he makes up for in heart. Did you ever notice how, um, how many times ministry in the word with Jesus happens around food? 
Anybody else? Ministry should always happen around food, shouldn't it? I think there's something that happens between here, here, and here. And maybe it's here to help us get from here to here. You know, stomach to head to heart. I think maybe that's the missing link, right? Because there's, people talk about that, that foot difference between knowing and believing. I think part of it is you've got to put a little something in the stomach. It pulls it down. Maybe? Possibly? Yeah. But I think when we, when we get stuck around a table, some people will say that. When we get around a table, around food, around... Maybe not a table. Maybe it's just on a, on a picnic blanket. Or we get around in the car. Or yeah, That's a weird one because you're not facing each other. But you get around where you're eye to eye with somebody and you're eating food. You kind of have to be, I mean, like humility kind of comes in when you have to have napkins and stuff on your shirt and like bananas. Quiet. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Yes, and and I think even beyond that, I think that because in that old world, hospitality was so big. You would you would have a meal with someone you didn't even know because of that hospitality. But you had a meal with them like they were somebody that you did know. And I think that, that that's that's something I mean, both and those are things that our day and age is is starving for, excuse the pun. But they're starving for interaction, they're starving for connection. Yeah. It's, it's with koinonia as well. It's that, that, that there's a connection there. And koinonia is one, that's, that's us being able to fellowship together. Those, the words for fellowship, um, they fit into the same words with worship. It's part of our worship lifestyle. It's part of our worship connection with God to fellowship with one another. And, you know, the, it, it's amazing because one of the, it, you know, I mean, some of the key moments in Jesus' ministry which centered around food or celebrations, right? The first, the, the first miracle was at a, at a feast. 
It was wine, yes, but, but there was a feast going on. So there were people there eating and connecting, and, and, and Jesus' ministry starts there. You know, and we have other times. We've got the feeding of the 5,000. That, that was a huge hospitality thing. God, God really was revealing that, that hospitality to the world. He, he, he ate with his, his guys in the upper room. He feasted with them. And then he had this feast on the shore, which was very beautiful. Yeah. Well, the fi- he had some fish already cooking. So he had the fire on. It's like he calls to him. I, I mean, I, I, I love how the observation of this is, is he, they see him on the shore, and it isn't until they get there that they realize, oh, Oh, there's fire going, fish already. He's like, bring some fish over. It's like, why? It's already cooking. But he's, he's, he's preparing for a feast. He's got a little bit already going so they can eat something when they first get there. But they got more fish that they brought. Um, and he's showing love and care to those in his circle. And, and this, whole, this whole time was getting to this conversation with Peter. He's still showing love and care for those disciples that were with him, but... But he gets to this point, and, and, and it, in um, 15 through 17, it says, when, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I get this picture. Just I, go with me on this. I get this picture that he's like, Peter, Simon, come on, come on with me. And he's just, I, I feel like he puts his arm around him. This is where it gets kind of awkward because it, he's asking him these questions. Like, like he sees Jesus on the shore and it's like his love comes out of him. It's unglued. It's, un, it's just, it's there, right? But this moment when he's real close, that's when it gets kind of awkward feeling for him. And he's asking him this specific question. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, I, love, I, I know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This, this, is a recommissioning. This is the second thought of Jesus recommissioning Peter. Um, this is a recommissioning of him. It's a rebuilding of him. We've, we've seen that before. It, this is a key moment in Peter's life right here. Okay, him calling him the rock that he's going to build a church on. I think that that rock was a weight after the cross because it, it probably came up. He'd tear up and he'd lose it a little bit. But this moment right here was recommissioning into that calling in his life. You ever been recommissioned? Maybe you should be. We're always getting recommissioned, right? It's usually when our feet hit the ground in the morning. Every single day. Yeah, I'm getting to that. I am getting to that. <laughs> He's taking my notes away here. Yeah, no. The the thing is, is Jesus, 
Jesus is exhibiting God's heart of reconciliation here. And in what you're talking about, Ron, is this idea that the first two times Jesus is asking him, do you love me? And it's the agape, do you love me? And every time that Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he's saying phileo, the friendship. You know, like Philadelphia, city of friendship. Phileo, yes, I phileo you. It's kind of like, do you love me? (laughs) You know I like you. I mean, it's that dramatic of a difference. And, you know, I, I, I think it interesting that, that David, th- this heart of reconciliation is exhibited in David's life. King David. I, I, I didn't say David out of, out of place here, but I, I, I think it, it, it's similar. This, this idea of how, how David was presented with his sinfulness by Nathan. You know what I'm talking about? This sinfulness was presented to him. David, like Saul, the king Saul, had made some pretty big mistakes. Some mistakes that people don't come back from. David, when presented with his shortfall, though, was repentant. He had this repentant heart, this repentant and contrite spirit. And he, while Saul appears to feel that it, it, it was his right, David didn't. David saw, oh my God, what have I done? You see this in in Psalm 51 when he talks about how, you know, created me a clean heart, oh God. This is when he was presented with this sin by Nathan. And Peter was devastated when he denied Jesus that last time and he looked in the eyes of 